Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by Betsperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Andy, how are you doing today? Still just doing great down in the basement in Georgia. Recording. This is how I chose to spend my past anniversary this year. It's been fine though, and I'm like, it's. A, I was I was kind of down because of some of the. You know, it's not it's not the best golf tournament this weekend, but we do have we do have some good stuff. I guess my jackrabbits yeah. my jackrabbits are in the uh, in the national title game this fall or this cool. weekend. So there's some good sports this weekend. Uh, I think I think I can bet on a few things, and I have. Yeah. We got uh, NFL schedule release going on today. Yeah, uh, the, the, the leaks um, is just funny. Like, oh, we're yeah. releasing tonight at six. Like, yeah, we we already saw it, it was on Twitter. Yeah. We know what you're. I'm watching. Is. I'm watching my net worth take a twenty percent haircut in a matter of minutes. Just a great Wednesday. Um, <laughs> but we're not here to talk about NFL. We're not here to talk about anything other than uh, the state of the industry in our annual tradition. Welcoming back great friend of the pod, Captain Jack Andrews, to. Give us a decent understanding, a decent perspective on how the overall space is evolving now that we are three years past uh, the dissolution of um, what was the firewall between allowing states to pass legal gaming laws for sports betting. Uh, Captain Jack, welcome back to the Deep Dive. Thank you, guys. Happy past anniversary, everyone. Well, two days early right now, but. Sure. On Friday, man, we're we're just we're celebrating <laughs> big time. Yeah, and uh, so far these have been wild. We had you on for year one, and at that point, it was literally like, wow, the what's, sky, that, you what's know, gonna the, happen? This, yeah. Any you know, and we anything? Yeah, the sky is the limit. Uh, you know, how soon are we going to have it in California and New York? You know, like this. You know, we could go. Anything is possible. Uh, year two, it was literally in the midst of the pandemic. Are we ever going to have sports again? <laughs> and then here we are in year three, and all of a sudden, sports books are scooping up media companies for nine-figure buys. Uh, you know the the um, the for states. Sale. <laughs> you personally are for sale. Wow! Right, right to check. <laughs> nine figures starting at nine figures. Bidding, bidding starting at nine figures. Um, I, I, I'll take a, a discounted rate at this point. Watching, watching yeah. the market. Um, the um, uh, <laughs> no, but it's the 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 momentum of people who are just kind the of it's, it's the gold rush is on. There is so much. There's been a there's been a massive shift in just the way the media is covering gambling. Like it, it is crazy uh, how much things have changed in just three years. Um, I work for NBC now. <laughs> we should. We should. And I was gonna say we should have done some guesses last year, and maybe we'll we'll do it. We'll do a segment where we do some guesses this year because I think if we would have done like a guess, like what do you think the a real big topic will be? Like what do you think one of the bigger topics will be in you know the sports betting media space next year? And I wouldn't have said like you know the the one random asshole that wins the same game parlay that night. Like that's every day, every day I have to see that. Like that's, the, we've seen it. Like we, we get it. The, the, those happen sometimes. Like I wouldn't have guessed that that would have been my major annoyance, but yeah, we'll have to take some, take some wild guesses because 
like I was, t I said this off air and I'll, I'll repeat it. These guys can listen again. I sat down this morning. I was up early. I grabbed a coffee and I listened to the first 20 minutes of the second anniversary, past anniversary, what have you. And at this point last year, like Drew just said, we were depressed. It was very, it had a very morose tone. We were not knowing we just come off the draft. We had no sports. Um, if you remember where baseball was, the players' union and the the league, they were fighting. There wasn't looking like there was going to be much of a solution there. We talked about what would we give up to have baseball. Uh, we asked Jack if we if he would be okay with the DH in the NL because he's a purist. He said, I'd settle for five inning games. He said, I would take whatever. And, and lo and behold, they did change a bunch about that. We did. We ended up obviously with the bubble. We ended up with the double bubble up in Canada for hockey. And it's funny, our, our main prediction was we all agreed the NFL will figure it out. Like they don't give a shit. They'll, they'll have a season, right? They're, they're not going to let that money go out the window and, Kind of nailed that one. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully this is just a nice, a nice smooth year. We don't have to make any wild predictions about the future of sports, and we can focus on the future of sports gambling in the industry. Yeah. So with that context, Captain Jack, as you look back over the three years since this has been a thing, um, have things gone as you would have predicted? Uh, or are we kind of overshooting your expectations or underperforming? Well, actually, I listened to a podcast that I did back in, it was like the early fall of 2018. And at the time, I was saying, you know, look, yeah, we have five or six sports books right now, but they're going to start buying each other. I'm really going to have two or three, and that's going to be it. Uh, that didn't pan out. We have, if in states that allow it, we have very diverse competitive industries which is great you know as the sports better man having more outs is more better and the there's game. a lot of states to get it and we've got some some great environments for sports betters out there but that that whole consolidation thing didn't happen and it actually still hasn't happened we know there's some of these sports books out there that are really small and struggling and they haven't been swallowed up by other ones i'm not quite sure really sure why that is uh but I don't want to say that we'll, we'll see it happen in the future, but this whole acquisition of media and then acquisition of, of like the full stack. So in other words, you get a DFS company, you get a media company, streaming company, uh, you get a broadcast platform, you get a sports book, front end and back end software, and you kind of build your whole stack out. That's been a trend lately in the past year that we didn't see coming as much a couple years ago. But for the most part, I would say sports betting today is not bad in the United States. I, if, if you would have told me three years ago, this is what it was going to be like, what it is now, I would have been like, okay, I can work with that. And, you know, and I have. Yeah. yeah do, do you think it's, and, you know, we, we talked a little off air about the varying levels where states are, the states that are, all right, we have competition, we have online signup, we have, you know, basically the best of what the U.S. offers at this point. And then we have Montana, we have Oregon, you know, we have an absolute monopoly. DC. By the, DC, the, 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 the lottery run, the monopoly stuff, you know, I guess, actually, I was going to just say that's better than nothing. I'm not a hundred percent sure that's an accurate statement. It's, <laughs> it's probably the same as nothing. Like it's, it's a step in the right yeah. direction that we're legalizing. Hopefully those are, those uh, moves turn into lessons learned and not the way things other states do it, but, uh, I guess where we sit here, 
where the you know where all the states are at various levels. Like, do you think it moved faster or slower as far as which states are legal? And you know, take into account that the states that have legislation right now that are probably going to make a move in the next eighteen months as well. Because I I didn't think it would go quite this fast. Right. Uh, you know, the funny thing is, is Roxy Roxborough had a quote in two thousand eighteen, right after legalization, before really any states were doing anything, and he said. It's a good thing we're letting New Jersey go first because they seem to be the most ready for all of this. They've kind of weighed all the options out into the best way to approach it. And he said, but will everybody follow New Jersey's lead or will they try to do it their own way? We saw the latter. Everybody tried to do it their own way. Mm-hmm. Even though the, like the, they were coming in with a billion dollars of handle in a month for a state with nine million people. These other states were going, yeah, but you know what? I think we can probably uh, do it this way. And we'll, we'll you know, in-person signups uh, or uh, you can only do this uh, if you're actually in the casino. And look, there's finally now, three years later, the states that are coming on board now are getting it right from the start. Arizona is a good example. Arizona has tribal gaming and they have commercial casinos. Those two factions never really agree with each other too well. Arizona's gone ahead and they've said, okay, well, the commercial casinos get this, the tribal casinos get this, and you know what? The sports teams get this, and you guys can fight it out, you know, be competitive in this market. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a flat level playing field for everyone. And Arizona could be really good. Capitalism. Um, Virginia. Here's a, here's a state that yeah. didn't have any casinos, uh, but they're going to get casinos. And so they, they built this in from the start and they said, okay, if you have a casino, you get a license. If you have a sports team, you get a license. So there's not this this kind of this lobbying going on to make it just for my group, just for my cottage industry. Uh, Tennessee is a good example. There's no gaming in the state outside of the lottery, and the lottery runs things, which can sometimes be shaky. But they again, they said, okay, we're all mobile all the time. You don't have to go anywhere to sign up because we don't have anywhere for you to go. So yeah. we're going to have this mobile betting platform, and you everybody can have at it. And it's been a competitive state. Uh, Maine is another example. They're gonna they're gonna legalize soon. Small state, but they're gonna take the approach of if you're if you have a license in any other state, if you're licensed in any other state, you've got a license in Maine. They're kind of taking themselves out of the whole regulation thing. They, like how, if you're good enough there, you're good enough here. And then as a result, they're gonna have a very competitive industry. Is that like real soon? Like before my vacation to Maine? This summer? Uh, Andy's yeah, ready to move to Maine. Probably not yeah. until the fall. Oh, yeah. that, that, it'll be like the day after I leave. No, that's, it's, it's, it's been exciting, like, traveling through a legal state. Again, uh, Drew and I are stuck in uh, liberal, we're in liberal states who are just kind of behind on the how this is working, and I think a big part of that, and, and maybe you can speak to that, because Arizona is a good example of uh, running into that problem, having it right, have you seen that with some of the states that are, you know, they have the infrastructure, but it's all tribal, it's tribal-owned casinos, and there's, and a lot of them, I think, view this as competition rather than, you know, a complement to what they're already offering. I mean, is that something I'm going to be able to see get overcome here in Minnesota or some of these states that run into that? So Minnesota is going to be interesting because you have racinos, you have tribal mm-hmm. casinos. They need to come up with a plan that kind of treats both of them equal handedly. Uh, that's sometimes a problem. The, the problem we see is a lot of casino ownership, whether that be tribal ownership or commercial casinos, they tend to think that sports betting is an amenity. It's a complement to the rest of their gaming. It's something they use to get people in the door. Sure. Therefore, 
we want them to have to come through our casino at some point, whether it be to sign up or whether it be to make bets. And they, they just get stuck in that mindset of thinking. When in fact, sports betting, the way it's done in recent years, is gaming unto itself. And a lot of these casino companies have yet to kind of catch on to that. That's why they outsource a lot of this. You know, we, we have very few casino brands that have their own sports betting vertical. And it's because they feel like it's safer to just outsource this, let somebody else handle this low margin, risky environment that seems to uh, require 24-7 attention. So as a result, some of these casinos are kind of backwards thinking. And if you don't have the casinos all on board with this, then the lobbying is kind of fractured hmm. in your individual state. Now, Drew's out there in California, and that's just a whole other ball of wax. Um, you know, there's over 50 tribes there in California that have casinos. So even if they just make it available to the tribal casinos, it could be a competitive market. But we're going to see out there what we saw in Florida to some extent. Is mobile gaming from tribal casinos legal under the Internet Gaming Regulation Act? We, nobody's really pressed this issue yet to see if it is. So I think California is waiting to see what Florida does with their, their compact with the Seminole tribe. And then that could kind of move things forward in California going forward. But the other problem with California is on top of those tribal casinos, you have the card rooms, which have always been this kind of yeah. pseudo gambling out there in California. And then you have the racetracks and they're going to want a piece. And then you have the sports teams and you have a ton of sports teams. And they're going to want a piece. Um, California is a big enough economy. They could support all of it. It could be a wide open sports betting economy and it would work. But there's too many people that have their hands in the pot that want to say, it's all for me. And that's going to slow things down in California for years to come. Yeah. I mean, that's the same exact problem that prevented the high speed rail from really succeeding, to yeah. be honest. But um, and early in that point, you talked about like treating it as an amenity. And you've seen, I mean, there, Vegas is some of the Vegas casinos, like what it takes to get to the book, you have to walk like, oh, I might play some blackjack. Like treat it like a, something that's going to draw someone through the casino. It reminds me of that um, Spanky had, I think it was Scotty Shetler. And he had, uh, he talked about at one point he was going to put a sports book on either end of this casino and have different prices and make people walk back and forth through the casino, which is the most hilarious thing. But like, it probably would have worked as dumb as that was. Like, people would have done that and stopped and played craps. But like, yeah, to treat it like, I, I can't imagine how many of my, just from my personal experience, how many buddies would go an extra trip to the casino on the weekend if there was also a sports book during college football. Like, now they, those buddies, instead of going to Treasure Island or going to Mystic Lake near the Twin Cities, they go down to Iowa because it's about the same distance. And there's uh, there's a FanDuel book down there, right in the right in the casino, and there's dice. So, I mean, you're just kind of cutting you're cutting your own throats at this point if you're not doing it, especially if there's a neighboring state. Yeah, is some of the issue uh, they're concerned like they don't want to like if you if all of a sudden if you can play blackjack on your phone. Why you're not you're not you're never yeah. coming back? Is that some yeah. of that? And on, and honestly, and actually, let me let me ask you a two part question: Is some of it like they're worried about the competition of the 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 stuff that's making revenue for them, and the fact that we are kind of coming out of this pandemic and they've been really under a lot of pressure because tourism has been just completely throttled? Uh, you know, does that give legislatures any more leverage against them, or is that like now they are an intractable? in their unwillingness to cede ground because they're backed against the wall. 
I think the casino lobby will use whatever angle they can possibly think of in order to make their case. Uh, it's a very strong lobby. Lobby uh, In states that have tribal gaming, tribal lobby is very strong. We've seen that in a couple of these states where it's almost like they're in the pocket. Uh, here's the thing that all of these sports betting companies want, and we're going to skip ahead slightly in the evolution of sports betting here. Uh, what we've seen with sports betting is these companies are willing to lose money. DraftKings, FanDuel, they're spending $200 billion a quarter just on marketing. They're not making $200 million a quarter, not a billion. Uh, on marketing, they're not making nearly that much in gross gaming revenue. They're running sports betting at a loss. And why are they doing that is because they know the next evolutionary step here is iCasino, Internet Casino Gaming. Yeah. That's where they all want to go. They all want to be an internet casino company instead of being an internet sports book. Sure. And as a result, there is it's almost like a Trojan horse walking in. The, the Trojan horse is like, hey, we're giving you sports betting. This is what all your people want. Here it is. Inside that Trojan horse, open it up. It's in an internet casino, and they're they're just yeah. ready to you know come play the slots. I got the distinct that distinct feeling about the way that DK operated in New Jersey, and somewhat during the pandemic, it was like you couldn't avoid the hey. By the way, you want to play some blackjack? Come on, come on, over and play a little blackjack. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And the thing is, the margins there are sometimes less than sports betting, but the volume is so much greater. In other words, you can make one sports bet an hour. You can make 80, 90, 100 blackjack bets in an hour. Yeah. Um, so there's just so much more way to cycle through the money and, and just slowly drain it out of people's wallets. Yeah, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Okay. Um, is Have you heard or do you have the feeling that we will ever get to the point where these companies are mature enough uh, financially and you know powerful enough as far as industry-wise goes that they can put federal pressure to get some sort of legislature that provides some guidelines so that this really does become all 50 states at one point or are is it is this like hey man states states are going to do what they're going to do we're not even going to try to touch that third rail we'll just figure out a way to weasel our way into every market that we can so gambling has always been a state issue for as long as the united states has had legal gambling or or talked of legal gambling it's always been a state-by-state state issue, and I think there's a lot of people uh, in the federal government that recognize that and want to keep it that way. However, I think there will be a lobby coming from the gaming companies that want to first eradicate the Wire Act, because that's really been a block here to larger liquidity, and with larger liquidity comes a little bit more certainty for gaming profits. You know, if it's spread across uh, you know, far more many betters, then there's less chance of variance in affecting outcomes and things like that. So there's there's going to be a push to get rid of the the wire the the wire act, and that might lead some lawmakers to then say, okay, well we need a federal framework, and we're not going to touch how states handle gaming. We're just going to make sure that they don't they don't make you know nobody goes out crazy, nobody goes off the rails crazy, and tries to come up with a system that, uh, you know, is harmful to, you know, citizens in general. So I, th I think that's where we're going to go with, and here's the thing, Drew, uh, these sort of gaming regulations and things like this that are sort of less palatable for re-election concerns, uh, 
they tend to come up in only certain years, uh, usually the third year of a presidential cycle. So uh, 2023 is probably the time when something like that's going to happen. Yeah, and we're dealing with a weird kind of moral situation for whatever reason with a bunch of the stuff with our current administration. So maybe well, and, not get my hopes up. <laughs> yeah, not, and not only, you know, uh, the big thing when I hear wire act repeal is like in the liquidities, you know, a, a nationwide exchange, which is the ultimate wet dream for all of us, I suppose. But even, you know, uh, again, something we just talked about, I joked, we should have just started recording eight minutes early because I'll just tell the same story again. When I was in Detroit, I had to uninstall and reinstall my DraftKings app to get a different app. I had to get the Michigan app instead of the Iowa app. And I think a lot of that is just when we're doing this state by state here, there's just, there's all this legislation from states and you end up with these different, different, it's the same app, but, and you have it, there's no continuity between that. Even with, uh, we have the WinBet sponsorship. I have three different links to sign up. There should, you know, I should be able to have one link to sign up for WinBet, but I get, you got to click a different link based on what state you'd like to sign up for. And I mean, that's the case with a lot of these things. It's, and it's, it's silly. And I think that would be a very nice, you know, uh, what's the opposite of a casualty, like a, a bonus if we do end up getting, getting away from the wire act, which is probably antiquated at this point, I would think. Oh, sure. I mean, what? <laughs> Like, yeah, I mean, I even look at the PASPA. It's like, oh, 1992, Jesus. Like, the Blue Jays are winning, you know? And then, <laughs> you know, and then you look off all the wire acts. It's like, Christ. You know, this is back. This is way back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. That wasn't really a question. That was just me getting mad about the old <laughs> but, I mean, and, and that leads me to like, you know, we, we got a little bug in our ear and we, we heard about this and, you know, the, the fact that there is going to, there are people are going to try some in-state, um, you know, exchanges. And I worry about that too. Like, is there going to be the liquidity in those right away to make those work? Because those don't just, you know, it's, it's not a one-sided transaction anymore. There needs to be liquidity on the other side. I don't fully understand their business model, but like, have you dove into them at all? I have. Uh, there's going to be one starting here in New Jersey this summer, uh, Sport Trade. They, they put a few cryptic tweets out there, and I've talked with them a few different times over the years here. Uh, I have high hopes for them because they're coming about it the right way. And the way they're coming about it is not like, let's just open an exchange and anybody can make markets and anybody can bet into it. Um, that probably doesn't have the liquidity in our current state of things. However, they're gonna come at it with, the market makers will be these entities that feel like they can make a more efficient price than the current sports books that are out there. Uh, they're gonna be finance companies, uh, financial entities uh, in some respect or another. And they've actually had to go through being vetted by the state in order to get oh, a wow. license to be able to make markets on this exchange. And, uh, that could create a lot of liquidity, create, create more liquidity than we even were imagining. Sure. And it could be very competitive on price. Now, the downside is it could be that these financial entities just kind of set up an API, a bot that has pinnacle and then just post the pinnacle price minus one cent. Sure. Uh, and basically just deals, you know, sit, sits back and goes, oh yeah, well, let's just let pinnacle do the line making. Look at us um, making this market. Right. And they think like that could, you know, that could be a, a recipe for success. And that's it, it not like, uh, that's not like what Susquehanna does though for Betfair. 
Right. So Susquehanna is kind of different. They're not one of the firms that have been mentioned in this. Oh, really? Yeah. So Susquehanna is kind of their own little thing. They got something going in Ireland there where they bet into the Betfair exchange uh, and they require, they represent a lot of the liquidity in the Betfair exchange over in Europe. Um, and they may get involved in this down the line. I don't know. They're not one of the names I've heard. Hmm. Uh, but so here's the problem is there's two things that are required. We, you know, if they get the liquidity into this market, well, you also need to have betters and you need to have betters that can recognize that minus 104 is better than minus 110. Of course, yeah. And I'm not sure we got a whole lot of those yet. I'm trying. I'm trying to kind of make, you guys are trying, sure. trying to make people realize that you need to be price sensitive, that that's the way to come out ahead when you can lower the VIG and, you know, it, it helps you in the long run. But I think a lot of players are like, but DraftKings is giving me this boost that if Aaron Rodgers throws for 350 yards and his team wins and, you know, there's like lunar eclipse, I win three times my money. <laughs> they're, well, lunar eclipse all... is predictable, right? Well, that's, that's true. There's an angle there. You can, yeah, you can, there's, a, there's actually an angle if you, if you know, you follow the cycles. And, yeah. I mean, and you're right. And it does, it makes me feel a little more hopeful the fact that. They could create the liquidity. They just need to find the the market, or they need to find the the customer base, and hopefully, you know, they have a good marketing team that will be able to figure that out. Because I think this is, you know, an exciting new product that's, you know, not only just getting away from hopefully the European model, but completely different, not just a straight up sports book. And uh, you know, you say hopefully they don't just grab penny minus one cent. I mean, I think they probably will in some markets. Like you sure. see, like there's exchanges that certainly will set their own exchange numbers for major sports, but then they'll they'll borrow for some things. Like they they still need to borrow. They they're not going to hire traders to put up numbers for the low liquidity markets. They'll still borrow, but it, hopefully for you know the major U.S. markets, we'll see some we'll see some unique lines there. Especially for yeah. you, you actually live there. Like I have to get a beard. You brought you you brought up something interesting though that I want it was inter I was going to ask you about uh, later, but this is the perfect segue for it. Um, let's talk about the the overall body of players that we have nowadays, and we can use your state of New Jersey as an example. Um, the general, you know, the, the 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 number of players is growing. This is not you know the the the, the billion dollar handles, blah blah blah. That's not a matter of people who were us usually they were bu booking with you know offshore and now they're booking onshore or they were using a local and now they're uh, you know now they're going with the DraftKings app like that's this is this is not what's happening it's a lot of new players right and I'm guessing that um, you know your average sports better like the distribution was pretty you know lopsided to the you know the the um you know the inexperienced recreational players before but now it's got to be like outsized in terms of proportion right um is number one is that a fair characterization and are we are you getting the sense because because I, I think back to my experience gambling i was betting throughout my 20s i was small staking and i was losing and I really never felt like I was ever going to, I, you know, the, the, the offshore market was in, un, you know, unstable enough through the 2000s that I was like, I don't even really care about getting good at this because even if I do 
ever do really well someday, I could just, you know, the, the book could just fold or, uh, you know, it was much more like, I understand this is an entertainment tax. I don't really care. I hope to break even on this NFL season and that's fine. Um, but then once there was like kind of a stability, it could have been just because the market got stable or because I got older, I have no clue, but eventually I was like, okay, I'm done. Now I want to do better. And I want to try to move up the the ladder here, um, because it's a zero sum game. Ultimately we're betting, you're betting against the other betters. Like that's, that abs- absolutely is the reality of the way I see things. Um, are you getting the sense that, uh, the, the player, the population of players in a state like New Jersey that is now three years old? We're starting to see like, hey, you know what? A third of them, they're done with this. They, they, you know, they, they, lo- they, they put their, they, you know, they're, they're, they're spit, they're spit out of the churn, as our friend uh, H.J. brought up the churn. But you know, they've, they've already churned out. Uh, and then there's a third of them that are just, they're always going to be kind of in the mix, getting, you know, just entertainment tax, entertainment tax every season. Uh, and then there's some that are trying to improve, looking for you know, resources that'll help them get better at this is, you know, what would you guess the proportionality is there? I don't know if I could guess specifically what the proportions are. However, we have seen this evolution of the sports better. I'm going to actually go way, way back. I'm going to go to Nevada first, and I'm going to say the consumer in Nevada that's that's local, not the tourist, sure, has always been a, a little bit problematic for Nevada sports books. They know there's enough knowledge of how the industry works that they can't put anything up there that's too juicy or else the sharps will just dive in and, and devour it. Okay. And one of the first things that people from Nevada were so shocked at was a sign-up bonus of $500. How can they do that? That's ridiculous. <laughs> because all their life, they had like a $20 sign-up bonus and they were like, whoa, that's so generous. Um so free, free buffet and a cup of nickels. Right. So then you go to New Jersey now and we've seen that is that, okay, we got through all the sign up bonuses and all of the uh, recreational books and bringing in the, the, the betters you were just describing that, you know, are fine with entertainment tax and things like that. We're now starting to see the price conscious consumer rise up a little bit more. And you're right, Drew. It's people that have finally said, I'm done losing at this. I can do better than this. What are some ways that I can do better? And uh, they, they find your podcast or they find my YouTube videos. And, and they kind of learn that, okay, there are some better ways to approach all of this. And that ten- kind of tends to the, lead to the price-conscious consumer. Here's the problem. In New Jersey right now, we have 22 sports books. All of them are targeting that recreational entertainment tax consumer. And guess what? DraftKings and FanDuel are eating everybody's lunch. Maybe a little bit slice goes to points bet, a little bit slice goes to bet MGM. But for the most part, those 17 others that are all targeting this market segment that quite frankly is very saturated are just going to die on the vine. Um, What we haven't seen is someone come along and say, okay, I'm going to deal to this different type of player, to this aspirational sharp better, who they think they can beat this market, but truth is, no, they're probably no better than a coin flip. And they have a bankroll that because it erodes so slowly, because they can bet you know, <laughs> wisely, yeah. their bankroll's constantly getting bigger. And as a result, they're almost like the unlimited bankroll guy, whereas the recreational better is the one that gets churned up and spit out. 
And quite frankly, the aspirational sharp also is willing to put more money into this because they're like, oh, but I, I'm I'm going to win this time. You know, sure. I, I'm good enough. I can do it this time. Or, oh, I've learned this new angle. I can get better. That's the market that seems to be the the pot of gold that nobody wants to go after. Uh, and I'm I, quite frankly, I'm kind of confused as to why no one has stepped up and gone after that meaty middle of of segment. At least I, in New Jersey. Yeah, and I think a lot of it maybe it's just because they haven't had to yet. Or the churn just hasn't caught up. Like there's so many, there's so many consumers to hit yet. And when you can offer bonus, when, you know, again, your what was your marketing? Two hundred billion a quarter, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, two, two. I mean, legitimately, hundreds of millions all the time. When you can offer all those promos again, it, it doesn't take work. It, you don't have to hire marketing people to just give money away. Like those people, I shouldn't even say it. I'm sure they work hard, but like it's it's got to be pretty easy to market. We just like, well, we'll just give everybody a bunch of money to sign up for our product and yeah. we win. I, it seems and, so uh, short sighted. It, it it does. It's it's not short sighted. I think if you can like like Jack said, if the other 17 die, and <laughs> you know more more of them come up and they die, like if you can maintain this long enough to get a, a strong ass firm hold across a good part of the U S as it goes here, like you're going to be, you'll have such a foothold that you can switch. You can switch later on to less of a, you know, a more traditional marketing approach, just advertising, giving away less money like that. And you have such a brand name and such a loyal user base already. It might not matter at that point that you just pissed away $7 billion over six years. Yeah, I mean, do you hear much about? I mean, has the focus shifted at all when they're when these books are talking, you know, revenue, uh, you know, talking to investors, you know, doing their quarterly statement stuff? Has the focus at all shifting from customer acquisition to customer retention, or it's just assumed that they'll always keep coming back once they've made an account at your book? All of them on their investor calls are now trying to get their customer acquisition costs lower and lower and lower and. The the bar right now has been set by Barstool Sportsbook, under and I didn't, didn't intend that pun there, uh, but basically you know <laughs> they were they're touting that they had a customer acquisition fee that was like a hundred and eleven dollars or something like that. That's on average they're able mm -hmm. to get a new customer for just a hundred and eleven dollars, whereas mm -hmm. a lot of these other companies are willing to spend up to three hundred dollars per customer, and quite frankly, some of these signup deals are worth four five hundred dollars. Unfortunately, many new consumers aren't bright enough to go max value on their signup deals. They go for the one that's uh, you bet one dollar, and if you know somebody scores a, a basket in the NBA game, then you win a hundred dollars. And they go, "Oh, that's so awesome! You know, it's a free hundred dollars. It's a free hundred dollars." But they would have given you a free four hundred dollars had you done this other signup deal that had a little bit of risk to it. Um, so, are these companies switching over to saying, "How do we retain these customers' lifetime?" How do we get their lifetime value up higher? Yes and no. Some are, and others are just saying, well, you know what? We've got them hooked in, and then when we get that iCasino, we've already acquired them. And the LTV of an iCasino player is huge. It's, it's, it's in the thousands. So as a result... <laughs> That's the whale the, analogy from last week. <laughs> right. Well, like if they can get the iCasino player yeah. for cheap, then they feel like they've won long term. I get that. I get that. 
Um, Andy has muted himself. Sorry, so I, I was I gonna will... say, you, you know, you know what has a better hold than sports betting? Craps, like on, <laughs> on, on online roulette, on triple zero online roulettes. That was some of my favorite advertisements. Are like, oh, we have a special roulette just for March Madness. Like, no, you, you just you just superimposed a basketball court on a roulette table. Like, there's nothing. Special. They're both round. It's like, Isn't oh yeah, cool? we we threw a triple zero on it too, though, just for fun. Like, yeah. this is not a promotion. This is just <laughs> an excuse to put this out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I will admit that I at some points the kind of the educating the the sharp or the aspirational sharp, like. They're, they'll make it, you know, they'll get to the break even, I think, if they really care, if they really are putting in the time and energy and, and kind of, you know, uh, grinding like we like we ground, you know, we, 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 we ground for a long time. Um, it took a long time, pay a lot of tuition. Um, so I don't mind kind of the idea that, well, yeah, I, I want these players to I want to I want player retention. I want everybody to stay in the pools. I want the pools to grow. I ultimately look at the the betting handle versus uh, you know the hold and think screw the hold percentage. Like you do not want a high hold percentage. Like focus everything on the betting handle. You know, like do whatever you can do to grow that side of it because that's your long term you know stable footing. The hold percentage is just you know the higher that goes the you know that it's correlated with churn <laughs> like you you want to bleed people faster fine like that's silly though like that's ridiculous um and maybe just because of the sort of the cyclic nature of like football season seems to drive most of the uh you know the betting activity of the u.s maybe it's not that risky but i just feel like it's a lot of this is like really short-sighted and you know they they may be kind of increasing their long-term risk of retaining these players um and you know and i guess in this context can you see a day where we wake up and you're like oh my gosh FanDuel and DraftKings are dueling to see who can go lower on vig uh FanDuel just clicked to one tick to 104 is DraftKings going to stay at 105 or are they going to go to 104 I mean like is that like potentially 10 years down the road where like re, you know in reality like you know the handle becomes king wow uh that's... I hope so Drew like that <laughs> see that sounds like an awesome place uh, <laughs> in a dystopian future yeah like, <laughs> yeah that's like a, it's like a movie yeah it I, is I've talked to enough uh, senior management at some of these sports books, and they all like to kind of say what they know I want to hear, and they know I want to oh, hear sure. that. And they're like, Jack, look, we can get there. We can get to minus 105 on NFL game day. We can get to VIG free on NFL game days. We can, <laughs> we can oh, kind of get to the sports book that mm, is. Mm. But the point of it is, is like saying it and actually doing it. And then when they don't do it, they come back to me and they go, Jack, we just don't think there's a market there. We don't think the consumer recognizes this. They don't know. They 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 just they want the boost. They want the promos. We're going to spend our money on that rather than spend our money on, you know, encouraging more handle. Um, of course, yeah. it's unfortunate. Uh, maybe we'll get to that point. I think we've still got a couple years to go, and we've got to get all these states kind of working in the same way. It, for instance, if you are. Uh, if you're Andy and your state doesn't have it, but Iowa does, well, when Minnesota does get it, Iowa is going to be much more competitive. 
that's just the nature of how these things work. You're get, they're going to get gonna happen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. It's, it's the competition. And that's why I think actually Arizona is such an interesting case. Las Vegas is going to feel the heat from Arizona. You can mm. drive down across the Hoover Dam uh, from Vegas, and now suddenly you're playing with DraftKings, FanDuel, PointsBet, all, all the big names, BetMGM, blah, 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 that are all in Arizona, free and clear with mobile sign-up and mobile banking and all this stuff. And trust me, the dam is going to be crowded on NFL Sundays. Uh, and Vegas is going to feel that. So that's going to drive Nevada to kind of step up the game. And now Nevada like I said, is going to be a little more price conscious as, as their way approaching it, because I think the bonuses are going to get eaten alive out there too fast. So I could see the evolution coming to that, to that one day, Drew, and I, and I, I would love to be there for it. Okay. But for now, at least there is still a lottery mentality towards this stuff. Yeah. Right. We're trying to, we're catering to the $5, $10 players and we're just trying to get them to play the hundred to one, whatever. And that's that's just the way it is for now. Oh, yeah, yeah, the big same Someone's, game parlay yeah. thing, you know, that stuff, yeah. Well, and the implications of uh, the psychological warfare and just the, all the, again, we go back to this constantly, the cognitive biases that surround some of these things. I had someone reach out and, like, just – I've had numerous people reach out just describing how good, like, some of these uh, legal books are like, they let you just cash out when your bet's almost going to win. Like if, if you win a couple legs of a parlay, you just hit cash out. Like that's got to be a huge advantage for us. I'm like, yeah, like I feel like they might know the math on that. You're probably taking it in the rear. But like a, 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 several people have said that to me, like what an advantage to the player the cash out button is. Like It's like insurance and blackjack. If the house offers it to you, it's usually not so hot. So, you know, the, the fact that they all these bells and whistles that they throw on there, they, they make people feel like they, well, this is a this is a bonus for me. This is an advantage. This is not a hindrance to me. I'm not slowly bleeding EV by doing this. And yeah. if they can, you know, outside of just the sign-up bonuses and stuff like that, and, you know, the ones where it feels like, oh, this is a free bet, you know, it's uh, the Lakers plus for every how much money we take, we add a point. So now it's Lakers plus 75. They just got to stay within 75 tonight. Like all those things feel so free, but it's in the long run, it's, it's going to be, uh, you know, a hindrance on your money, a hindrance on your bankroll. You're, you're slowly bleeding and you end up in, it's weird. You end up in, if you end up in either edge case where you get the shit kicked out of you so hard, a lot of them, like you said, the churn, they give up. They just don't bet anymore. Or if you, accidentally win a couple of long shots early on you might just get your account shut off even if you're a really bad gambler like you could end up you could end up being done both ways it's it, you almost want to be in the middle yeah well i i guess um before moving off of this general topic into the state of content which is maybe more interesting conversation uh can, especially considering the last couple you know the the current news cycle i guess we're still in um what I guess what what are sort of the three or four most important points that you think uh, clearly communicated to the guy that's been doing it now for two NFL seasons, coming into season three, and is like, I'm not losing this year. Like, like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna finally break even. I'm gonna win some money this year. Like, what are like what do you think like the the handful of clear, easy to communicate uh, messages are to that guy to keep him. Keep them around for another NFL season. Uh, rule number one is you can't beat the NFL on game day. 
period. You can't wake up at 10 a.m. And, <laughs> and figure out who you're betting that day and, and win. You, you, you just can't. The market is too efficient. Secondly, go ahead and look at everything but the spread and maybe even don't look at the total. Uh, look at all the other stuff because these books have a high tolerance for all the other nuanced betting of alt lines and props and other derivatives and halves and quarters. They have a higher tolerance for the NFL for that stuff than any other sport that I've ever seen. So uh, if you have that available to you, go ahead and look at it. Go ahead and try to specialize on props in those, the, you know, those sports. Look, if you're just betting props, you're going to get limited. Books don't like that. Books kind of view props as the amenity to get you in the door. Uh, so if you're just betting props, normally on most sports, you're going to get limited down. But in the NFL, for some reason, they're willing to say, oh, you know what? Okay, go ahead. We'll, we'll give you a 500,000 pop on, on these props. No problem. And I'm talking about legal books. I know offshore, they, 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 they trim you down on props pretty quick. Uh, and then a third point is I would say... Uh, be careful who you listen to because nobody really has that strong of an edge on the NFL. So if you find you yourself a guru that you think you can tail, uh, and I think everyone's smart enough not to pay for their picks, but if you find yourself a guru that you feel like you can listen to and they'll, they'll guide you through the wilderness, you're probably just, you're no better than a coin flipper, uh, with, with people you follow because you're not going to get their price or you're not going to get their information is going to be stale by the time you hear it, uh, or they might not have an edge at all. Uh, the NFL is really tough. You know, if, if I had one piece of advice to someone who wanted to bet the NFL, it would be find something else. You know, w, <laughs> WNBA, man, that's a real soft market. You know, yeah, you might not want to brag to your friends that you're a big fan of women's basketball, but it pays the bills and, and there's no style points awarded here. However you make the money is how you make the money. So, uh, don't worry that you're betting the WNBA versus, you know, the big bad NFL. NFL's fun, though. Oh, sure, I bet it, and I have no edge on it. <laughs> uh, and yeah, that's don't the thing me. too. You're never going to tell someone like, "Don't bet the NFL on game day because you you can't win." But maybe you can you know convince them. Don't bet serious amounts on the NFL on game day. <laughs> Like, sure. like if, if you're going to take the attitude that it's recreational, then you need to take the attitude that it's recreational with your stakes as well. Like yeah. unless, unless it's absolutely disposable income that you were going to burn in a fire anyway, just, you know, have, feel free, but like treat, if you're going to treat it, it's, you know, the European model comes over, but we don't bet like Europeans, you know, that like the average bet size over there is so much smaller and that's why it's fine because, you know, they, like it's legitimate. It's, it's their favorite team. Their favorite soccer team, football team is on it. And I'm going to put two quid on them. And, that, you know, that's just like it's normal over there. Where, uh, I don't know if just our adrenaline junkie, you know, needing that, needing that dopamine hit, we need to put a lot more money on it to make it feel like we have skin in the game. But, like, they, they seem to be fine with that. And I think – uh, I think a lot of people get past that where it's like, oh, I got to put a lot of money on it. It's like, but I mean, if, if you're going to lose, wouldn't you rather at the end of the day have put a little money on it, still had some fun? Like it could still be fun. And yeah, I, I think maybe if you can convince someone of that, that'd be it. That'd be a plus positive in, in the overall community. It's just, that's a hard conversation to have. Hmm. 
Yeah. yeah. Okay. So basically find your niche. This is an important rule then. Um, shop around for price still works for those markets, especially if you're going to, if you're going to bet derivatives, you can definitely catch an edge still. If you have books at five, 10 places, you're going to get the best price. Um, yeah. Downsize your staking. Don't bet on game day. Those are all good. Um, definitely. Yeah. Don't, don't bet on the Sunday night football or Monday night football, just because it's the only game on. That unless, was, unless, was a fun it, one. unless it's yeah. halftime. Unless it's halftime, yeah. In which yeah, case, you I, mean, have some I, I, I could see maybe if you find some edge there. <laughs> like, don't bet on every halftime just because. <laughs> and hey, you guys were fire this year on those halftime shows, man. You guys. There were a couple sweet, times that I go, a little yeah, streaky. You know what, right. a little streaky. Yeah, we had we did find our groove though for like the whole second half of the season. We were in a nice groove. Um, all right. Well, let's talk a little bit about content. In the same sense that the kind of the marketplace and the states and everything are kind of going through some growing pains, as you would expect for a relatively young industry, uh, I think you can say a lot of the same things about the quality of content that exists around sports betting. In fact, it's kind of funny that, and you know, I am not the right person to really have a solid perspective on this because I am so in the gambling bubble that I really just don't consume any sports stuff outside of it. But I feel like there's a pretty clear shift in terms of what people are consuming. Um, and you know, once you become kind of interested in gambling, that's the sports content you want, not just the basic Skip Bayless hot take nonsense. That's not going to help you win. Um, and so there is an enormous economy around providing information that people who are going to bet on sports are interested in consuming. And when all of a sudden this was, you know, legal three years ago, there was a pretty decent vacuum. There was really not a lot of stuff that I would say was worth quality, you know, quality stuff that was worth consuming. In fact, we started this podcast in the first place because we were like, man, I really just I'm tired of listening to Cousin Sal and Bill Simmons who sound like they don't even really bet. Talk about betting like it's bullshit. <laughs> like I want to hear someone talking about this who's actually at least doing it. I don't care if they win or lose. I just like want to hear somebody talking about who's actually betting. Um, and yeah, there's, a, there's a new yeah. thumb on the block. <laughs> Is there? Well, then, remember the oh. thumb, the thumb tweet, the because and sell thumb tweets. So yes, yes. But no, and, and, yeah. and truthfully, it was like it was such a revelation. We're not telling everyone to start a podcast. You should because that would be we don't need the competition, but. Like the, the just just sitting and like uh, having the I, I don't understand how someone would could possibly do this, but like having the skin in the game, having to like say it out loud, but like I'm betting this team for reasons X, Y, and Z, having to like put it out there, it felt like well I, I need to get better at this, and yeah, of course, and then just talking back and forth, we got better, and no and, doubt about you know, this. and then yeah, the, but the shift from then to now has been wild, especially just. Like people putting out uh, basically anything. Like uh, the stuff that's come out lately has been just—it's it, felt like you know, let's just slap a couple people together. I'm sure this will work. Let's get a pretty girl. Let's get some fancy graphic. Let's, this let's, feels targeted. No, I didn't, no, I didn't sign up for this. I, I, I would have said a, a pretty boy, like a, with the with the hair. No, but I mean, well, I no, you do fine. I think I think you do good work. But I mean, there, there are some where it's just like. What, what were they even thinking when they put this together? Because they don't know what you know. They don't know what they're talking about. They, you know, they they making. And I feel for some of these uh, talents. It's like 
they're making them talk about sports they have know nothing about because they know about a different sport. It's like, I, I don't think there's a lot of thought process that goes into this. And then obviously a lot of it doesn't get real deep into any sort of, you know, helping you. It's just, yeah, you know, this is, there's this no is what we want to bet today. There's so no I, 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 the, I mean, the question, I don't know what question Drew was getting at, but like, I would guess, well, where would you hope content goes? And I'm going to take notes. So I well, can't. I think we know. Unabated, yeah. obviously. <laughs> yeah, There's Jack's going Jack's to tell us specifically. I think yeah. what his what his vision of if you kind could of the start helpful with content me. is, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Let, let me start without my own personal involvement in it. Uh, I I felt the same way, and a year ago when I was on with you guys, I was just getting started putting out some YouTube content, mm -hmm. and I probably mentioned that. YouTube was like this wasteland when it came to sports betting content, even worse than what we've seen elsewhere. Like it was just all scam all the time. There were very few people that were trying to educate. They were all trying to get you to sign up for something or do something for them or whatnot. Yeah. And so that's why I came across YouTube and decided, okay, I'll just do a live stream and I'll try to put together a PowerPoint presentation and, and just go from there. And I think sports betting content has evolved in the past three years, but is there enough content to fill an entire network with it? I'm not sure. Like that's what we're, we've seen being attempted with a lot of these companies is they're trying to full fill almost 24 hours of content. Uh, that's really tough. That yes, there look, I spend just about 24 hours a day on Twitter, gambling Twitter. So therefore there probably is enough, content going on in the world that that could justify it but some of these people like that's a real stretch to have them talk intelligently about something different every single day it just doesn't doesn't work that well for them so i think what we've seen with content is they want it to drive traffic and i, I like i'm not as opposed to that as i once was because some of the content's getting really good in terms of giving the user a full picture of what's going on and then driving the traffic. It's There was a time when content was sort of like, we're gonna drive traffic and get them to do something for us because this, is, this reaches our end goal of affiliate income or whatnot. And the example I always used to use is the Action Network had a show called the Nine Team Parlay in which they would build a nine-team parlay and encourage you to go bet this, follow them with this nine-team parlay. We could all root along for our nine-team parlay to make us all millionaires. Oh, uh, and, they, well, and they never once hit a nine-team parlay in the history of the show. <laughs> and I think they later realized it was just kind of like a dumb idea. Shocking. <laughs> you know? Shocking. It was a little too transparent into what so they were trying to make. That's you just do. because that's just because they didn't do nine. They just didn't get to ninety thousand shows. Once they got to ninety thousand, they would have hit one. You know, right? Yeah. It just quit too 90, soon. Maybe, just quit need, too maybe, soon. maybe that's my next. Maybe we do the eighteen team parlay, yeah. and then we sell for four hundred eighty million. I'm going to do the seventeen parlay. Oh, and, seven, uh, seventeen. There you go. Yeah. One underneath. Yeah, just one. One a day. So um, anyway. So I, we haven't seen as much of that lately, and, I, and that's that's good. I think we're starting to mature. We're starting to realize that the consumer is not the idiot that some of these people thought they were in terms of just following blindly into the buzzsaw. So uh, now, how did I get involved in the content? Well, I had the, the YouTube channel. 
and I had been talking with with Rufus Peabody um, a lot about where the industry was going, and we felt like we needed to give the consumer a voice, an upper hand, and we formed that American Betters Coalition about a year ago now. Uh, and we were working towards that, and we actually had some discussions on funding. And what what it came down to is there wasn't going to be funding for us. Casinos weren't going to support us as the voice of the consumer. The consumers weren't really going to support us. And we kind of realized, like, if we don't have funding and we're also in the middle of this pandemic, we don't know where sports are going, like, this this probably isn't going to have legs. And you really need business people to run a business. You know, just a guy, two professional bettors don't really make for a, a strong company. Uh, so fast forward a few months and Rufus and I are talking again and he's like, I want to give people my tools. Sure. I want to give them, uh, you know, the, the tools I use to find derivative pricing, the tools I use to find closing line value, the tools I use to run NFL simulations that favor the New York jets over all other teams. No, um, sure. but uh, you know, he's like, I want to do this. And I was like, well, I want to give people education. I want to give people content that steers them the right way, free of affiliate uh, marketing and, you know, can, can teach them. And I said, I can't really teach on YouTube like courses. And I was talking about, you know, maybe I would, uh, they have these uh, course software like Udemy and, and other Skillshare and things like that, but they don't like you putting gambling content on there. So they were kind of ruled out. I said, I said, what if we could create a, a network, a, a, um, a platform where we have your tools and we have my content and maybe you have my content using your tools, uh, you know, to create this, this sports betting education. And that's how we kind of evolved into unabated. Uh, and we got some business people behind us and we got some engineers behind us. We got data scientists behind us. So it's not just two professional gamblers who are, you know, spinning up this thing and hoping like, people throw money at us because we realize people aren't going to throw money at us. Uh, a large part of our site is going to be free. A large part of our site is going to be just the content that we feel needs to be out there. And uh, it's coming along and it's, I, we, we'd hope to be launching right about now, but we're, we're going to be launching this summer. We're going to be into beta testing shortly here. Uh, we've been a little bit, secretive on what we're going to have. Like for instance, tonight we unveiled that we're going to have an NFL simulator because oh, now cool. the schedule's out. So you can uh, enter in your power ratings. You can tweak all of the settings you want to tweak versus the starting QB and the backup QB and how relatively strong they are and the, uh, the probability of injury and uh, you know, the home field advantage might vary team to team and the defensive efficiency. And we can, you can tweak all those settings and come up with these power ratings and then run it through 10,000 times. And we'll spit out to you uh, what the odds are on various futures markets with, with live lines as who's going to win the division, regular season wins, who's going to win the conference, who's going to win the Super Bowl, all based on the results of your simulation. So now when you're like, my numbers, you're not bullshitting. Right. <laughs> and exactly. And people are going to be able to use this to kind of learn about the numbers. So... Sure. A lot of people do that. They, they kind of come up with their own numbers, but they don't really have anything behind them. We're going to help you kind of create your numbers and then do all the simulations to kind of refine your numbers so that you can come up with it. And then we're going to caution you and say, hey, guess what? You don't have a 40% edge. You know, you entered something wrong here. You're kind of reading too much into this situation. Are you manually going to regress the market, though? 
No, uh, we're going to let the user see their lines compared to the rest of the market. And then that's the, the next step. The educational piece is where okay. we kind of go through, here's what your numbers really mean. Here's what, what your practical edge could be in this scenario, not necessarily, you know, because what's going to happen is people will fit their model to fit their narrative. In other words, they're going to ramp something up much higher than it should ever be because they want to say, but the Arizona Cardinals are the best team in the league, you know, and, you know, ramp it up and then go, oh, look, I can bet them to win the Super Bowl with a huge edge. Uh, we don't want them to kind of justify bad betting behavior. Sure. But, uh, no, so, I, I like that, how you said it would it would warn you, hey, you don't have a 40% edge on this because that's what I've seen the, the, a lot with, uh, what was the action product that a lot of people use, the bet labs? Oh, well, yeah, not, the, the, like the trend, basically like build uh, a... Build a build, build a build a set of rules that gives yeah, not, you a not a, not seventy percent win hit hindrance. It hit was rate, a yeah. cool cool idea. It was actually executed pretty well. Like it was a decent platform, Very slick, slick platform. <laughs> but what they you know what you didn't you can't control the user what the users do, and every single user just overfit stuff. They would overfit stuff until they found like some weird, you know, oh man, if, if the wind is over 21.2 and the total is in between these two numbers, if you, it does, and it doesn't take like eight inputs to overfit. You can just get some real tight, mm -hmm. tight numbers. And all of a sudden you've created like, oh, this has hit 70% in the past. Uh, it's never, it's never going to happen. Like you've just overfit a model. So I, I like where your head's at there as far as Hey, hey! You did an oopsie. You, you, you're, you're so far off the market on a couple teams. Maybe you should go take a look at this. Yeah. yeah. One of the ideas we had is uh, we'll have like an emoji of of Captain Jack, but my face in the hat and the uniform, and you know, and kind of yeah. pop up. And, <laughs> uh, there's been so many different ideas that we've kind of just yeah. thrown around, and I think some of our engineers are like, really, you know. Come well, on, the know. best advice I can possibly give you is. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. The Cardinals aren't going to win the Super Bowl. It doesn't have to be perfect on version one, you know, like yep. yeah. in the same exact way as I'm not going to sit down and build the right model and try one. It's going to take a little bit of, you know, it's going to take a little bit of figuring things out, getting feedback from what people want. And definitely, you know, it sounds cool. It sounds like a positive contribution to the space. And I wouldn't lose, lose hope if it's not a smash out of the gate just because, um, you know, it's, it takes a while to figure out exactly the right way to, to, uh, communicate with people. Um, speaking no, of which, I, I hadn't I hadn't caught that announcement yet. Like that's people are gonna yeah, have fun cool. with that. Yeah, that, like that's that. very that's very a, cool. I I've, yeah, a million years ago, I was like, hey, anyone want my simulation code for MATLAB? You can put in your own power numbers, and it'll spit out all the probabilities. And I think I got one DM. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and then I tweeted like, you know, hey, this is my pick for this game, and I get you know, five hundred likes. And it's like, you know, you guys, come on. Um, but that's okay. The um, uh the you know the the interesting question i have for you now in it's been a tough week it's been a tough two weeks been a tough three weeks for a lot of our like hardcore advantage player friends the news cycle has been pretty rough <laughs> there's not been a lot of good news uh a lot of you know a lot of a lot of money uh is being handed over from sportsbook operators to uh, you know, actors in the space that haven't always been who our advantage player friends would say would deserve it, for lack of a better word. Um, 
similarly, there's been really, you know, you, you, I, you were notably uh, not happy about the likes of DraftKings buying VSIN. Um, and, you know, while I, I was dead middle of the road there because there are some great people that work there behind the scenes who I'm like, they have job security now. This is sweet, like great for them. But at the same time, like... I guess this is the direction that they're going to go content-wise is not great for us, but that's fine. Um, I think I, but I still like even in the face of all of this relatively tough news to swallow. If you're if you have a pulse, if you know what's going on, um, it does feel like the scam level is is falling fast, right? Like the blowback, and again, this could just be how I curate my own content. But like the blowback of ESPN hiring Kelly in Vegas was so violent and is like it was so poorly received by our community that it was like, okay, well, I, I have a tough time thinking that whoever you know signed off on that at ESPN didn't at least catch wind of that sort of stuff. And that ultimately, like, you know, like the just in general, the public opinion is not being lost. On some of the decision makers, uh, you know, at the top of these media companies and at the, uh, you know, at the the sports books themselves, and that like the learning curve is steep. That you know they're going to eventually, you know, what what's going to work, what's going to draw audience, what's going to you know be accepted uh, and you know last long term. Like it's going to have to be good because the competition is coming quick, uh, and you know there are there's just a lot of people who are. Uh, you know, determined to, you know, weed out the bad actors in this space. Uh, I, you know, do you get the same sort of sense? And because you brought up the YouTube, you know, launch, you know, you did a year ago. Like, are we abating, for lack of a better, for no pun intended, <laughs> are we abating the the scammer artists here? Or, uh, you know, or is it same as it ever was? I just happened to curate my content to be blind to it. Um, that... Look, I, th I think I, more than anyone else, can say that I tend to, like, get a hot take, tweet it out, and then go, I probably shouldn't have said it that way, you know? Because, look, I, I used to really like VSIN. I didn't like all their shows, but I really liked you know, Gil's show, and I, I liked some of the, the people they would have on there. And so when I saw that news come down, and everyone knew that VSIN was for sale, like, they needed to sell in order to kind of stay afloat, um, and it was DraftKings of all people. I was just like, damn it, you know? And I, and I had that visceral reaction and canceled my membership. And, um, you know, and later on that day, I was like, ah, that wasn't fair to guys like Gil, who now have a really good setup there uh, and, are, and are so good on that, you know, that <clears throat> network and have that good platform. <clears throat> and I should have taken a wait and see approach. So that's how I've kind of been approaching things since then is I got to take a wait and see approach. We have not seen anyone rise up as like an out-and-out -out scam. I think there's enough public perception as to, we got you. We know what's going on. We can see through it. Mm -hmm. There's no Steve Stevens pushing through onto network television. Um, you know, he did have a show on CNBC <laughs> like a decade ago. Uh, <laughs> so it's not unheard of that that could happen. Uh, Clay Travis? Clay. Well, all right. Well, yeah, Fox, I don't Fox fucking news, man. 
I, I mean, I, the, the relationship that was the, makes that, sense. Of all of the, of all of the, of all of the bad news that came across, that yeah. was one that hit me the hardest. Other people I know were more upset about. Eventually, the virus will be completely done, and I don't know what he'll talk about anymore because you, you can't he talk claimed, about He'll it. claim victory, and stupidly, people will all blind up. Yeah, Fuck this. The virus yeah, is gone corona, three years bro. later. Like, what the fuck? I, I will say, too, VSIN for many years was for sale. And then we hosted a couple days. That's a good point. Yeah. Mm. Correlation, causation. I don't know which, but either way, <laughs> we did a little hosting. All of a sudden, DraftKings, like, oh, this is a, this I, is a hell of a guest. It was a team effort. It was yep. a team effort, guys. Good job. Right, we did it. Um, oh, yeah. And it, a scam has You're welcome, to, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> A scam hasn't risen to the top yet, but oh, wait and just see what me and Andy have planned. Ultimately, when we finally take over, we're going to rug the whole industry. We can't wait. Uh well, that, that, you know, that's that's the point I always make to people. Like they think that I'm in this unabated is going to be some kind of money grab. Look, if I wanted to scam you, I could have scammed you already. I you could be doing it. You wouldn't know. It could be some anonymous account that has, you know, you could be incarcerated, Bob, for all I can tell you. Right. Um. <laughs> so, I mean, like, if I really wanted to scam you, I would have come at this. If I wanted to scam you, I'm really late to the party because I could have been ahead of the curve on the scam. Could have been yeah. 10 years. Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, I mean, I don't know. I guess just back to the main question, though. Do you think the scam meter is on the decline? Like, are we trending in the right direction, at least? I, I think we are. I think we are. Uh, I'll say this about Clay Travis is I think th uh, there are some people who feel or who know that politics actually does play. I had a discussion with David Purdom years ago in which he was like, I'll never tweet anything close to pol political because that's just a, a big no-no. And I was like, that's a good idea. I'll never do that either. But there's people that realize that, you, yes, you do want to tweet political things because that you automatically have 50% of the audience that is like, yes, I'm behind this guy. And the other 50% going, oh, this guy's awful. But they're both talking about you. Sure. They're, yeah. They're, you know, you. Howard Stern effect. Yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm going to angrily quote tweet him. I'm going to quote tweet him. So that, that'll <laughs> look show how him. Stupid look, this guy is. Look, look how smart this guy is. I'm going to give him so much impression. I'm so mad. Yeah. yeah. Right. So Clay Travis realized that Darren Rovell uses that sometimes. He even said it recently. He's like, I want people to either like me or hate me, you know, <sighs> whatever. So look, um, I don't like that sort of journalism or that approach to things. Um, I know I'm not going to be liked by everybody, but I'm not going to go out of my way to say outrageous things just to have one half like me and the other half, you know, quote, tweet, hate me. Um, so, yeah. Sure. Okay. Okay. What do you think, Andy? Is the scam meter going down, trending down? I think people are getting a little smarter when it comes to that just because they know, like, uh, the, uh, people can tell when you know, some people are really full of shit. It used to be harder to tell. I think I don't know. I, I, I feel like uh, I feel like people are getting a little smarter. Maybe they're not getting to be better betters, but they're getting to be better at sniffing out that horse shit. Because there's been sure, some sure. really like years ago, there was some stuff. It's like, oh my god, like this is this is a straight up scam. Like this guy will just take your money, and now it, now it's just it's more bad actors. Without even them knowing that, I don't, I think a lot of these bad actors don't even know they're bad actors. They're just like, I'm yeah. excited. Like I'm excited. I'm in the industry, and look at me. I'm on TV now, and it's it's like, oh yeah. Like you're just you're, you're reading scripts, and you don't know that you're you're shoveling shit into people's mouths, and 
you know, such is, such is life. That's the way in every industry. It's it's gonna happen. So hopefully like we get you know, hopefully we get more good content and I'll I'll try. I mean, you guys tell me a show, I'll make a show. Well, like that like that viral clip a couple of weeks ago of the guy that was like, You're gonna say that you wanted him to be knocked out, uh, but you know, he didn't know what the price was. Don't worry about the price. Sure. That's you know, look, these guys aren't bad actors. You're right. They are they're just poor content providers uh and that's that's and that was expected everyone saw this coming the transition of fantasy people into gambling people the you know the the crossover that's it's (laughs) and and granted you don't even you don't have to be an experienced better to know when someone's full of shit whether they're actually betting or not like it you can it is so transparent it's it's outrageous um but the uh the uh the for sure the you know the mainstream media crossover attempts have been awful but that was expected I, that's not even really what i'm thinking of. i'm i'm more of like the you know if people still giving vegas dave money for picks oh, that's yeah. the thing. like uh, i mean I, there's always the real low end of the spectrum they'll they'll pay for stuff like that yeah and then other people like i don't necessarily want to call out a colleague but there is a guy who's relatively sharp who works for nbc sports in the nfl market like still selling picks like what the hell like you know like I, maybe at some point like that stops like you know the 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 longer we go here but if it's you know an easy cash grab uh you know it's 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 something that will always be part of the industry it's tough for me to really tell um but i i would ultimately expect that the consciousness around it and, and then the, just the general the transparency like it's shoot when we when, when we started this andy we were both anonymous people total totally anonymous jack captain jack you were anonymous as well until you started doing content right and putting your face out there um yeah. like it, it this is you know nowadays like to have credibility you've got to be transparent about who you are what you're doing like the authenticity matters all of a sudden um which is great and hugely important i think ultimately um so i guess one quick final question and it involves barstool how long is that gonna last (laughs) (laughs) all right are we are we talking the sports book the the absolute numbers they did or the the overall brand i think yeah, the cult of personality around surrounding. Yeah, the, you know, just, the cult of personality, I guess, because yeah. it was pretty. It was a pretty violent pivot this season in the NFL from Big Cat, who we're f- good friends with, extremely, extremely nice guy, wishing nothing but the best for him. But a violent pivot from, hey, can't lose parlay. These are so fun. Bet with me to, I can't win with these. You know that, <laughs> you know, like. Like real, like uh, you know, kind of like I'm the world's worst gambler. Like, don't tell me on this stuff. By the way, like it's fun. Here's some barstool sports stuff. Like, I, I like, respected the the transparency. Like, he's just started. Like, this isn't going to win. Like, he, he started putting the wording in. Like, there's a chance that this loses parlay and stuff like that. It was. It, it, I mean, it, it's it's shtick. It's fun. Of like, course, those, it's shtick. Those are fun. the kind of people that want to have fun. It's it's a whole sideshow parallel street entertainment here but like the people who are actually betting in that space in the 20 percent hold like 
I mean, but churn, talk about churn. Uh, you know, I did, does that just continue to exist? And that's just like, hey, these are 20 year olds that have their parents' money and they're just going to keep throwing it into the fire and they're having fun. So who gives a shit? Like, you know, same kind of, uh, you know, same kind of nonsense that's going on with like the, you know, Dogecoin and, uh, you know, Wall Street bets and all that stuff. Like, it's just, you know, young people who, don't really care they're just doing it for the lols like you know or do you think that ultimately like that well is going to run dry and uh you know it's it's going to prove to be a model that is unsustainable well i i think cult of personality is the perfect term for it uh do you guys remember that the action network originally tried to be barstool and it wasn't until they were acquired by the churning group which also had barstool that they were like oh this clashes let's make Let's make Tan to be this and Barstool to be this. But remember, Action Network originally had all had kind of the same people. A lot of them have switched between companies, and they were all about the wacky things. Oh, sure, sure, sure. I do remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, Paul Leduca, uh, Blackjack Fletcher era. Yeah, Blackjack Fletcher. Fletcher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Ravel does a very poor Portnoy impression. Like it's it's <laughs> well, not yeah it's it's not the same. He's on the other end of the spectrum of yeah. like. So there is there is room in this big world of sports betting for this type of entertainment. Uh, and, and, you know, Portnoy is Howard Stern of this generation. No doubt about it. Well, what, what happened to Howard Stern? Look, I grew up a huge Howard Stern fan. From when I was 10 years old on, Howard still Stern does amazing radio. interviews, by the way. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah. So, but I saw Howard Stern evolve over time. And it, it, you know, it was originally the crass lesbians and dwarfs and drunks and whatever. And then, you know, <laughs> when he got to serious and started to get the big money, he sure. started to get a little bit more legitimized. And then he would, he wanted to be friends with Hollywood. He wanted that adoration from Hollywood. So he kind of became this great interviewer and this friend of Jimmy Kimmel and you know, this sort of thing. Uh, and that's around the time that Howard Stern sort of lost some of his significance in the world. Um, I'm sh I don't listen to the show anymore, mainly because I, I don't have serious anymore. But um, I kind of feel like there's going to be a similar arc with Barstool, and it just plays out in different media. So whereas Stern was radio, satellite radio, somewhat video and streaming, um, Barstool has now been internet media, sports book media sports betting platform that sort of thing and he they're going to follow a similar arc based on how portnoy goes if portnoy decides to he wants to be something different then barstool's going to just follow him down whatever path it goes down um i have no problems with barstool i think they've evolved in some ways like i remember a time a couple years ago when you know, like their their big thing would be like you know they're watching a college game and they're like kill that guy oh we got to send death threats to that guy blah, blah. and then people started to do that they started to death that. threats to to players and I think Barstool really realized quickly oh wait we have a little too much control here we can't be advocating this sort of yeah, thing yeah you and can't, I think you can't send the mob after people like that and that, that, it was wild there some was, of those stuff yeah, that, ones. That, yeah. well I'm just I I think of that that poor kid that came out and yelled at Portnoy about filming the pizza review and then that place got like eight thousand one star yelp reviews in like an hour or something it's you know it right. became a very it became a very important uh, yeah. you know social 
wielding the power of the mob is uh is dangerous as shit that was that was scary (laughs) it's like oh man you know also that guy shouldn't have done that but the the reaction was visceral and wild and instant it was crazy like are they they swing they swing a big dick all of a sudden it was nuts yeah yeah um Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And goddamn, the wizards blowing the sleeves. I, I'm watching this too. And uh, when when you canceled Sirius, did you write them a mean <laughs> letter too? <laughs> I had a chat. I was thinking about that. <laughs> and then I get posted on my Twitter yeah, account. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. give you shit about that for years. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's, this is I, it's I, wild. I have, the things, the things one... that we talked about this year. I wouldn't have thought we'd been talking about it at this point last year. I do have one last content question for you and then we'll wrap and let you go we're very appreciative of all the time you've given us here where is the current vacuum in sports betting media landscape for you as a consumer of sports betting entertainment stuff or just in general like your your peers your community people you talk to like they're like man like why isn't there one like a show like this for us you know like where's the current vacuum because right now we're engaged in it you know a lot of other people are engaged in it like we're just all kind of producing the same sort of content like it's like here's the games today here's what matters here's what i bet you know, like it's it's pretty formulaic to a degree. There's got to be something that's not being addressed that people want to hear out there. And I would love to be stake some ground there. Not that I have a lick of time for it, but I could find some <laughs> smart, talented people who could do it. Um, but yeah, like what, like oh, yeah, Andy, you're the director of content for crying out loud at BetSports. Like, yeah, no, what, I'm taking notes. You know, what, Fill me you know, in. What are, yeah, what what is what is the vacuum content wise oh, that guess, needs to be uh, that needs to be <laughs> I, I and speaking of speaking of original, we'll give Andy a little plug here. Like you're approaching the green like preview of the golf tournaments while playing like the video game on Twitch. Yeah, like that's freaking novel. That's really novel. Like that. And yeah. it's really original. Like what like are, are are there a couple other things like that off the top of your head that you think uh the market is missing right now? All right, I got I got two ideas that I don't see a lot of. Uh, the first, and you guys touch on it sometimes. Your your episode, your episode last <laughs> week, uh, last Wednesday was a good example of the art of sports betting. Sure. Nobody talks about the art of sports betting because it's it's not you can't talk art like it's nuanced and it's it's very tough to communicate that. But when you do, when you come up with these topics that are about how not all sharps are the same and and sharp betting is not all about just finding the best number and hammering it, that's, a, that's, a, that's an evergreen topic that people really like to absorb, and it kind of gives them a peek as to how it actually all works. The other topic I'll, I'll tell you is we have not seen proper sports betting zeitgeist yet. And by that, I mean it, uh, kind of explaining to users or letting users kind of come along as to what it really is like to be a professional gambler or a professional sports better or a high stake sports better, you know, look, uh, you watch the Kentucky Derby. NBC had it written into their contract that they're going to have Mattress Mac on and he's going to place this big wager at this exact time. It was on the timeline for the, the network. Uh, he's going to place the big wager right now. And they thought that was going to be exciting. Well, Mattress Mac is about as exciting as <laughs> like the back of my shed out back. Um, you know, he's he's not a very dynamic guy. And basically, he just took a brick of money and put it on the counter and was like, do you like that? Um, 
we need to kind of get into it where it's not fantastical. It's not for show. It's really how it's done. You know, wouldn't you like to see Rufus going through his numbers and betting his golf tournament and that sort of thing? Uh, wouldn't you like to see abnormally distributed kind of just firing away about NASCAR and things like that? Like these guys are on a nef- another level above where everybody else is right now. Sure. And wouldn't it be exciting to see them work or see how it's really done? Some of those guys don't want to show you how it's done, rightfully so. Uh, but I think there's a lot of people that would learn a lot about the process if we could actually see the process uh, in the works. And we don't even have to see it live, real time. We could see it like uh, a week later. Yeah. It would still be fascinating to kind of to I, watch it all happen. I have I have thought I have. I do these NBC clip, video clips for NBA every night. I record them at like midnight, one o'clock Eastern once the lines are up. And like the 30 minutes before where I'm just fucking around, like going through results and, you know, updating my model and stuff. I was like, I should just Twitch stream this. And I got so close, but I was like, I don't have the energy at that time of night to like really put it out there. Um, but next season, I think I got to do it. Or maybe the playoffs. Playoffs. That would yeah. be a good show. I, I was joking about that too. You know, we, we all made that that case. Like, let's watch a pro better bet. And you know, Rufus came up a couple times. I'm like, you know, it'd been funny to watch Rufus at the whatever World Series of yeah, Sports betting. Yeah, where where he where he had just his heart ripped up at the end. Like, as bad as I feel about that, like that would have been good content. That's the Ravel. That's the Ravel tweet. Like, uh, I feel yeah, bad for our I country. Bad for Rufus, this, this is tremendous is content. content. <laughs> yeah, right. What was the other? What was the other avenue that you think is is poorly served? Well, that, that that was the second one. The, the first oh, one oh. was the um, the the art of sports betting. Art, how, art, like, I gotta, gotta, you know, the, the art. Oh, yeah. uh, in the chat, Kyle says Captain Jack clearly owns Life on the Line on DVD. Uh, I do. I also have seen the the best of it. Um, I I think they were both poor, poorly done documentaries. I think there's so much better that can be done of real sports betters. The trouble is, real sports betters don't want to be on camera. They don't want to get exposed as to what they're really doing. You get the guys that are on camera are the guys like, you know, Alan Boston and Teddy Covers and, and guys like that that are, you know, they kind of like that whole personality thing. Don't follow me. Follow somebody that, like, I can I can give you a list of guys that are really making major shit money at this stuff, um, but they never want to be on camera. So okay. it's. Yeah, we, we've asked a couple of them. I mean, that's the, that's the correct <laughs> answer. They them. don't. They don't. Like we got spoon. Yeah, they're playing. We did get spoon. I mean, spoon has his own mini series of own, how to make yeah, money. Those, those, those are. We both. <laughs> yeah. we, we both came up in one episode. That was the. That was like yeah. the the highlight of my career coming I up. Can't wait spoon for season says. two. Spoon says. So, yeah. No, but I, I agree. Think I came up in an episode or two, but not yeah. <laughs> favorable. But I've known. I've known spoon for years and years. I've known him for 15, 20 years. So. I'm gonna watch um, those again before I go to bed tonight. I think. <laughs> those those are I, those are those are what put me to sleep. Spoon. I, I watch those every night. I watch them with breakfast. But oh, uh, yeah, this was a great past anniversary. I think. Yeah. Can, I, yeah happy happy anniversary. Turn out good again. I'd forgotten it. It sneaks up on us every year. I didn't get you guys anything, but we'll uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll reconvene again, and uh, yeah, we'll get we'll get back at it, and hopefully when we touch base again, or when uh, hopefully before that, we find. A few more states making the right calls. A few of these states that have made the wrong calls, maybe call it an audible switching from the monopoly to the, you know, uh, it doesn't have to be full New Jersey twenty-five operators, but 
you know, the Montana thing, probably not going to be long-term good. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> not at all. And I think the third, the third anniversary gift is tweet. I think oh, okay. a paper and then wood. And <laughs> so uh, we'll just, we'll just give each other a tweet. I'll give Very a tweet. good. Very good. All right. Well, Take care. Best of luck. Congratulations and good luck on the launch of Unabated. And uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Hopefully it's not a year from now, but uh, really appreciate all your time and uh, keep up the good work. Thanks, guys. Always enjoyable. All right. Bye-bye. Bitcoin bounced a little bit, but we're still below 50 here. Just check, check it in the morning. That's what I do. <sighs> Man. We got it, down to 46 Three. If you My don't God. think you'll respect me in the morning, we can sleep till afternoon. I had some bids at 47. 40, uh, 47 what do you think about changing the music? Because YouTube doesn't like this song now. I guess we should change it. Yeah. Did uh, I should tell Jack that the, uh, this this song was taken from like Envato Elements? <laughs>